Hello and welcome to Coming Up Winners. I am your host, Jason McIntyre. You may have seen me on FS1, heard me on Fox Sports Radio. Possibly you visited thebiglead.com, a sports website I founded in 2006. And now I'm starting a podcast. So every Monday and Thursday during the football season, we're going to be talking sports gambling. And I will be joined by my man, Andrew Lynch, to break down the world of sports gambling. Andrew, it's good to have you here. Welcome. J-Mac, I'm so excited to be here. I love where we are as sports fans these days. Listen, everything is gambling. When you decide to get into your car and you know, I'm going to try to take that route, I'm going to try to take that route, you're gambling. And so for us to be able to bring the gambling perspective to the sports world, this is going to be fantastic. We're going to talk expected value. We're going to talk about our processes. We're going to talk about sweating the games. I just cannot wait for this. This is going to be amazing. Andrew's a former FoxSports.com senior writer. He competed in the World Series of Poker. And in 2016, he bet on every single NFL game. Lynch, how'd you finish? I've forgotten. Every single NFL game, we hit 57%, just shy of that magic 58% profitability. But listen, for every game on the NFL slate, we'll take it. Yeah, I mean, that's incredible. I'm off to a hot start this season. Very fortunate. We'll see if that can continue. And this is basically what the podcast is going to be all about, right? Sports betting is becoming more mainstream. And the Coming Up Winners podcast will tell you what the latest trends are saying and whether or not they matter. We're going to be looking for an edge. We're looking for value. I'm going to see if I can make some money gambling on sports betting and specifically the NFL. And we're going to try to help you make money betting against me. Yes, you, the listener, will be betting against me in a segment that we're going to call Put Up or Shut Up. Here's how it's going to work. I'm going to choose three random listeners from Twitter or Instagram who use the hashtag put up or shut up. And you're going to go toe-to-toe with me. Any top 25 game or NFL matchup using the lines from the Westgate Sportsbook. So just to recap, we're going to do this every week. You choose the game. I pick the side. If you win the bet, I will Venmo you. I will cash app you $10 out of my pocket. I did not clear it with my family, but I think they're going to be cool with it. Now, if I win the bet, you have to tweet a link to the podcast along with the hashtag put up or shut up with JMac. I want to see that hashtag out there. Listen, I know you guys love to challenge me online betting all the time. Oh, I'll bet you this. I'll bet you that. Well, this is your chance. So just to recap, you pick the game. I pick the side. Our producer, Conrad, every week will jump in and say, here are the three games to get it started. We're going to have Lynch pick the first one. This is how it's going to work every week. Lynch, what do you got this week? Woo, can't wait. J-Mac, real quick, I'm curious. What happens when your family decides to challenge you to one of these uh, They're going to be eliminated. Conrad will get the memo. No family wagers allowed. J-Mac, you and I are here in beautiful Los Angeles. Let's, uh, let's go with the Battle of L.A. Ooh. The Chargers, technically on the road, facing the Los Angeles Rams, who are seven-point favorites. I'm excited for this one. I'll be going to the game. I don't know who's going to have more of a crowd there. Chargers are, it's going to be probably be 50-50, right? You'll be in the luxury box, I'm yeah, sure. No, I will not. No, I will not. Um, now, this is a tough game, and this is the situation where in put up or shut up, it's going to be a tough one, right? Because when this line came out, I love the Chargers. We talked about it, Lynch, uh, over text message. I mean, listen, getting a touchdown, getting uh, there was it was 7.5. It's now bet down to 7. I know the Rams have the best defense in the NFL. And they've only allowed 25 first downs, which is best in the league. But Lynch, this is a team that's faced the Cardinals and the Raiders, two winless squads. And the Chargers, 
We know they can put up offense. 6.9 yards per play. You know, that's among the best in the league. I believe it's in the top three. And I was looking at Chargers, but then I dug in a little deeper. And again, this is how the process works. We're trying to help you guys who are maybe amateur sports bettors kind of look through your process. And, and Lynch, you know, the defensive coordinator in this one of the Rams, Wade Phillips, he's got intimate knowledge of the Chargers from his time in the AFC West. And oh, look. He's got two cornerbacks in Peters and Tlaib who also are from the AFC West. So for me, I had initially thought Chargers, it's at seven. <sighs> you know, one of my, I guess it was like my second grade teacher would always tell me, go with your first instinct, Jason. So I'm going to ride. You in hashtag put up or shut up said Chargers or Rams. I will go Chargers plus seven. I'm so glad you're listening to your teacher so that I can make $10 here. <laughs> you're you're absolutely right on Wade Phillips as the Rams defensive coordinator versus Phillip Rivers and these Chargers. In the past three seasons, Phillip Rivers has thrown 16 interceptions in six games to teams featuring either Tlaib or Peters on the other side of the ball, including four to Peters alone in the three years that he's been in the NFL. You also mentioned something. You said that the Rams are the best defense in the NFL, and I think this is there's a little bit of nuance here, right? That's by some of the counting stats. I'm more of an advanced stats guy. I like in particular a number that's called DVOA that adjusts for game situation. It adjusts for your opponent later in the season anyway. By that metric, the Rams are still very, very good. They're third defensively in the NFL right now, fourth offensively. The Chargers, third offensively, 17th defensively. Uh oh. Yeah, not great. And if we dig in a little bit deeper even there, they're both average defensively versus the run. But the Rams have been elite against the pass so far this season. Granted, they haven't faced the stiffest competition. But that's while they've been bottom three in the NFL in sack rate. They're going to get after the quarterback on Sunday against the Chargers. They're going to force turnovers. I'm not super confident in the Rams minus seven, but I like the Rams here. Yeah, remember, uh, Joey Bosa has yet to play for the Chargers. So, we, you know, we don't know his status. And last week... You know, Chargers leapt out to a 28-6 lead on the Bills, kind of took their foot off the pedal in the second half. And, you know, Josh Allen did not look awful. Uh, if Melvin Ingram can't get to Goff, he's going to pick these guys apart. It's a risky play, but again, in hashtag put up or shut up, you pick the game, I pick the side. So I personally would not bet on this game, although I had looked at it. But, you know, I, I, I'm going to ride with Chargers here, and I'll be ready to lose this bet. And it'll hurt doubly since I'll be in the stadium, and I'll just drink myself into oblivion. All right, I'll call the two grand. I'll gamble. Don't splash the pot. As much as we know you're going to love hashtag put up or shut up, the next segment, good bet or bad bet, is one of my favorites that we're going to do here. Every week we are going to dig into games that I'm going to consider in the Super Contest. Of course, the uh, number one NFL gambling contest in Vegas. Basically, we're going to end up looking at several of the best games on the board. Conrad, the producer of this podcast, is going to tee us up. Conrad, what's up first? First up, gentlemen, we have Patriots minus seven at the Lions. Mm. You know, Lynch, the number one thing when I look at gambling, number one, I mean, I know you're big on the numbers, but public perception, and this is the most public play on the board. I'm seeing 84% of the tickets uh, according to one website on the internet, are on the Patriots on Sunday Night Football against the Lions. Now, I think you called this the squarest yes. game you can remember. Yeah. I mean, listen, when you look at the board and you see, oh, Patriots off a loss, I'll take Tom Brady. And with good reason. Since 2003, hashtag here's a trend, 
Tom Brady is 32-10. and 10. That's 76% against the spread after losing the previous week. Belichick and Brady, we know it. It's a truism in sports gambling. You can't win money betting against them. As such, listen, there's some good storylines here. Darius Slay, their best cornerback for Detroit, he has a brain injury. He left the San Francisco game early last week. He probably isn't going to play. He hasn't practiced yet this week as of the time that we're recording this podcast. And the Patriots just added Josh Gordon. Now, we don't know what he's going to contribute or even if he's going to be active, but you're going to have to respect him if he's on the field. So you got a bad secondary that got kind of carved up by Sam Darnold. You've got the student versus the teacher in Belichick against Matt Patricia. You've got a huge public play. I don't, everything's pointing to stay away, Jason, but I'm kind of laser focused, Lynch, here on Patriots. Favored by six and a half. It's a great bet. The Josh Gordon, I don't think he's going to play, I don't, but that almost doesn't matter. You have to prepare for him, and that takes away from your bandwidth as the Lions in preparing for every other weapon that you have to face against the Patriots. The The Tom Brady stat is great. The Patriots are 21-6 and six against the spread in the Tom Brady era after a double-digit loss. That's a wow. 78% rate. Matt Stafford, he's 5-12-1 against the spread in primetime games in his career. 29% cover there. Just every trend is pointing towards the Patriots. They're the best bet here. The one thing that I do want to talk about really quickly is these trends. Be careful with some of these trends. You'll have some touts yes. who will say, oh, this team is 12-1-1 on Thursday nights where they've flown 4,200 miles exactly and it rained at 12.04 p.m. <laughs> like, that doesn't matter. None of those teams would have been similar. But when you have a situation like New England where Tom Brady and Bill Belichick have been together forever, those trends hold water. We've talked about it before. You're looking for consistency when you look at those trends. Are the teams the same over that time frame? Yeah. So, so everything points to Patriots favored by six and a half. Lynch, we're going to agree here. Patriots over Detroit. Now, remember, guys, we're, we're also going to talk about getting the best number. I'm seeing six and a half. Conrad said it was seven. It's kind of been bet down, I guess, to six and a half. Remember, this is the Sunday night game. Anybody who loses is going to be chasing money later in the night, and I believe the books are going to push this number up. Would you agree, Lynch? Good bet? Bad bet? Yeah, absolutely. If you can get this at six and a half right now, jump on that. All right, Conrad, what do we got next? Next up, we have the Saints traveling to the Falcons, who are three-point favorites. Yeah. On the surface, this seems like a, a, the Falcons are a play, right? And and Lynch, again, we're talking to try to help educate you guys from what we've known as sports gamblers. Everybody out there remembers what they saw last. What did everybody see last? The Saints struggling in uh, against Cleveland at home. Barely got lucky because the Cavs kicker was inept. I'm sorry, the Browns kicker was inept. Cavs kicker probably pretty inept, too. He'll end <laughs> yes, up a Laker sooner as than well. And, and, and you look at the Falcons. They won at home against the Panthers. However... I believe I would lean Saints plus three here. A couple things to look at. Christian McCaffrey had 14 targets last week for the Panthers against his Falcons defense. What are they going to do for Alvin Kamara? He's going to get at least that many. Michael Thomas has destroyed, repeat, destroyed the Falcons in four games. 410 yards, three TDs. Can't guard Mike. I mean, the Falcons cannot. And the other thing, the reason I'm leaning to the underdog here, the last five in this series in Atlanta— Determined by three, six, three, three, and four. I feel like I'm getting the Saints at some value here. Buy low right there, 0-2 against the spread to start the season. I think the value's on the Saints. Lynch, is Saints plus three a good bet or bad bet? 
I'm really glad we had Rams Chargers off the top because now I have to agree with you again. This is, ah, a, yes. this is a great bet, J-Mac. Um, and the Sharps agree with you. This We're getting about 46% of the tickets on Atlanta right now, but 76% of the money is on New Orleans. Um, stretch that, that time frame back a little bit on running backs having success against the Falcons out of the uh, catching passes. Alvin Kamara... 15 of he's caught 15 passes on 18 targets so far this season the falcons have allowed the most receptions to running backs in the past three seasons total out of the entire nfl and they're down a safety and a linebacker everything for me screams saints plus three so you're on board saints plus three and let's flip it to the other side of the ball really quickly the the falcons starting left guard andy levitra he's missing his fourth game in the past four seasons typically you might not think that's such a big deal but his replacement uh west schweitzer was one of he graded as one of the three worst offensive linemen in the nfl last year so keep an eye on that line play as well and you know that's a great point to bring up an offensive lineman because the casual gambler doesn't care about offensive linemen they like flashy objects like receivers if you can't win in the trenches and protect your quarterback you're not going to have a chance so we're on board saints plus three conrad what's up next Next, you have Case Keenum and the Broncos heading to Baltimore to play the Ravens, who are five-and-a-half-point favorites. Yeah, this is an interesting one. Again, to go back to what gamblers saw last, Baltimore looked bad losing to lowly Cincinnati on Thursday Night Football. I know Cincy's 2-0, and but the perception is well, Marvin Lewis, Andy Dalton, they stink. And Denver, what did we see last from them? Needed a last-minute comeback to take down Gruden at home. So, I'm not in on the Broncos as much as I was in the preseason. They're 2-0. Lynch, their two home wins are against winless opponents by a total of four points. And this is the number that's going to scare you. Again, we're not huge on trends, but they do matter sometimes. Like this one. Vance Joseph, head coach of the Broncos. 4-12-2 against the spread as a head coach. Okay, I know he's upgraded to Case Keenum, and last year he had some bad quarterbacks. Keenum... You know, he struggled out of the gate. Uh, accuracy, interceptions, another trend that this bears watching. Denver has lost nine of their last ten road games against the spread. They've got to now travel across the country, one o'clock start. For me, everything's coming up. Ravens here, I, I will say a last point here. The offensive line for the Ravens was beat to hell last year. A lot of injuries. So they're all healthy this year. I'm thinking, okay, the running game, I got Alex Collins in fantasy. Alex Collins has 48 yards rushing in two weeks. Like, at some point, hopefully the Ravens, with the extra days here off the Thursday game, will get the running game started. I I just, I don't love backing Joe Flacco, but I got to go Ravens favored by five here at home. Lynch, is that a good bet or bad bet? It's a bad bet, but I think it's a marginally bad bet. Marginally. I just don't like that five, five and a half number that's out there. It's a dead there. zone, right? Yeah, especially with these two offenses that I don't think we have any confidence in their ability to get the ball up and down the field and score. And I think the Ravens' defense, they're fifth in DVOA right now, but in the first four weeks of the season, that number doesn't account for the strength of your opponent quite yet. Mm. We want to get a more robust data set before we start making those adjustments. The Ravens' defense created 32 points in expected value against the Buffalo Bills in Week 1, and that's booing that defensive rating for them. They created, or gave away, I guess, 12 points in expected value against the Bengals just on the defensive side of the ball, which is supposed to be their bread and butter. I do think the Ravens win here. I think the Ravens are clearly the better team, especially at home. That 5.5, five five points is just too much for me. I think this is closer to a three-point game. It looks like it's five and a half at Westgate. It's five at other spots. But again, 28-24, and you're losing. So 
I like Baltimore here. Lynch does not love them as much. All right, let's go to the next bet, Conrad. We have the Dallas Cowboys heading up to Seattle, who is a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Ooh, this is a tough one for me because Seattle obviously playing its first home game. However, on a short week, Lynch, we saw them lose on Monday Night Football. And a couple interesting takeaways— Producer Conrad is a huge Seahawks fan, and you know I'm sure he was distraught with the Brian Schottenheimer-Russell Wilson incident on the sideline. Listen, as a Jets guy, I know Schottenheimer well. He is a bad offensive coordinator. Seattle's in a bad place. They really miss Doug Baldwin. The running game can't get unlocked because that offensive line is so bad. Lynch will tell us how bad in a second. Uh, they can't protect Wilson. Dallas, second in the league in sacks with nine. And, and the one thing I want to focus on, because Seattle is going to get healthier. It looks like linebackers K.J. Wright and Bobby Wagner will return from injury. And even Fluker on the offensive line. But the one thing, this Dallas defense is kind of underrated so far. They've flown under the radar. I know they lost to Carolina, but the Panthers didn't move the ball well. They did shut down the Giants. Real, a really good job of that. And that has to do with uh, one of their new uh, defensive coordinators, Chris Richard. He spent the last three years in Seattle. So he knows Russell Wilson as good as anybody. And I feel that's a huge advantage for Dallas going on the road. Lynch, I'm going to lean here. Dallas, favored by a point and a half. Is that a good bet or bad bet? Great bet. Uh, I said to you before the season started, I thought the Cowboys were the most undervalued team in the NFL. Week one kind of scared me off, but that defense is for real. Second in the NFL in total sacks, third in sack rate. They're sacking the quarter opposing quarterback on about 11% of dropbacks. Seahawks, meanwhile, they're allowing sacks on almost 15% of the dropbacks by Russell Wilson. That's on pace to be the worst offensive line in at least the past 20 seasons. Woo! They'd be worse than the 2002 Houston Texans as an expansion team who also gave up about sacks on about 14% of their dropbacks as well. Two trends like that going in opposite directions. I really like Dallas here. And that's before we get to Jermaine Ifedi, the Seahawks offensive lineman, who legitimately might be the worst offensive lineman, at least as a starter, in the NFL. I mean, he's a turnstile over there. It's bad. Now, the, now we're, we are going to talk totals on this on this podcast. The total here of 41.5, I got to be honest, that seems a little high to me. I mean, Dallas, I think, has come in under in both games. Uh, we know their offensive line without Travis Frederick struggling. I would actually lean not only to the Cowboys, but I would also lean to the under here. I am playing a money line under parlay here on the Cowboys <laughs> and the under. Uh, these two teams have averaged less than 37 points per game in their last six meetings. And the Cowboys in their past six games, uh, the total over under, or total score there has been less than 30 points. Yeah, we're going to cover it all, guys. Totals, sides. Uh, I lean sides just because it's more fun and we can actually try to break down the games and try to find more value in the lines. So that's where we're headed. Good bet or bad bet. Lynch is on board with the Ravens, favored by five. He's on board with the Cowboys, favored by a point and a half. He loves the Saints, three-point dogs, and he kind of loves the Patriots. Yeah, real quick, I do not half. love the Ravens. How dare oh, you, you do put, not, how I put, dare you put Joe Flacco? Yes, yeah, no. yes, I apologize. You hey, cannot hey. make me support Joe Flacco. Uh, even against Case Keenum? You movie? cannot make me support Joe yes, Flacco. Yeah. Mighty Joe Flacco. So we got three good bets. One bad bet, according to Lynch. Hopefully, we can get you to the window this weekend. Baby, you are so money, and you don't even know it. All right, next up, we're going to talk about the Thursday night football game. Uh, every Monday, we'll obviously talk about the Monday night football game, and Thursdays, we will break down the big Thursday night football game. We got Jets at Browns here. Lynch, as you know, I will be wearing uh, my Sam Darnold t-shirt at home tonight, watching intently. I do have to say, the Cleveland Browns are favored. 
by three against my Jets, and everybody in the world is giving out the Browns tonight. Now, according to some numbers I looked at, this is only the second time in the Hugh Jackson era that the Browns are favored. They opened as a favorite last year against the Colts, but they closed as a dog, and they lost, of course, because they lost every game last year. But all the tickets are on the Browns tonight. All the money is on the Browns tonight. I think it's a play against a rookie quarterback, Sam Darnold, in his third game in 11 days. Remember, they played Monday against the Lions. Then they lost to the Dolphins. Now they have the Thursday night. That's tough for a quarterback. And, of course, there is the Tyrod Taylor factor. He spent time in Buffalo, knows these Jets well, and actually performed well against them. In five games, he had eight touchdowns and two interceptions. So, Lynch... You know, everything is coming up Browns here. I mean, we may see the number hit three and a half tonight because the books have so much Cleveland money. I almost wonder if the play here is to fade everyone and try to outsmart the room and go Jets. You know, initially I was thinking Browns. I think I just talked myself into taking the Jets if I can get for if I can get three and a half. If I can wait and get the three and a half, I'll take the hook in my Jets. Remember, it's Hugh Jackson coaching the Cleveland Browns. You talked yourself into a really good process. All there. right. You talked yourself into a really good process there. If it's three and a half, that's a good bet. At three, oh, I am taking the Cleveland Browns as three-point favorites. Wow. Sorry, I had, to, I had to prepare myself for that one. It's going to come down to turnovers. The Cleveland Browns so far this season have forced turnovers yeah. on almost 26% of their defensive possessions. Second in the league behind the New York Jets. Yeah. Forcing turnovers on almost 27% of defensive possessions. But then you start to look at the quarterbacks. You have Sam Darnold, a rookie quarterback, who is unfortunately being forced into a ton of third and longs because the Jets are struggling to run the ball consistently. They've broken off a couple of solid plays, but they're not getting consistent yardage on first and second down from their running game. And in third and long, Sam Darnold is struggling, and that's yes. where he's creating most of his turnovers. Meanwhile, Terod Taylor... Certainly not a quarterback who's ever going to light the world on fire, but in 2007, he led the NFL uh, in, a, in a good way in interception rate. He threw interceptions on 1% of his passes. You see a little bit of regression there, but quarterbacks like Terod Taylor, who like to pull the ball down and run if they don't see anyone open downfield, tend to have about a 1, 1.5% interception rate. And when you can hold on to the ball like that, you're going to win ball games, especially against a Jets team that is prone to turning the ball over. And this Browns defense is for real. It is. It is for real. So this is me fading Darnold as a rookie quarterback and really, really buying into this Browns defense. And I can't believe I just said that. Now, <laughs> now I faded my Jets last week in the Super Contest. I took Miami. But I let me point out two more quick things, okay? This is a Browns defense, as you just said. They kind of held the Steelers in check. I mean, the Steelers moved the ball but had the turnovers. And then they went into New Orleans and held Drew Brees kind of in check and should have won that game. So why can't they shut down the Jets? They should. It's a rookie quarterback. I just keep coming back to this. Like, my New York Jets are not totally ready for primetime. This is Sam Darnold. He he had to, remember, his first pass as a pro was pick six in Detroit. Now he's got to go in primetime again. All eyes on, on Darnold. In what could be hostile territory, can we call the dog pound potentially hostile? Yeah, absolutely. And Lynch, I'm going to ask you this. So if Hugh Jackson, Lynch, is winless through his first three games, two very winnable games, they had a tie and a loss, do they pull the plug on Hugh Jackson this early in the season? Also, there's Baker Mayfield lurking. And you know the fans and the media want to see Baker Mayfield. The numbers guys love Tyrod Taylor, but the fans, they don't like Tyrod Taylor. 
I believe there's a chance if Hugh Jackson loses this, he's canned on Friday. I don't think so for two reasons. One, because he got the tie against the Steelers. If yep. that's a loss and he's 0-3, it's a different conversation. But two, because of Baker. He's got that card that he can still play. He can say, all right, we're 0-2-1. We're I'm going to make a quarterback change. And then maybe that buys him another week. So after week three, probably not. I would be surprised if Hugh Jackson is still the uh, coach here in week six. So we're on opposite sides here, right? I, I think I talk myself into Jets at three and a half. If you can get that, wait for it. Lynch, your stay away on on three. Yeah, and if listen, if you want to get in on the action here, I would take the Browns minus three. Um, one quick, maybe this puts you at ease a little bit, J-Mac. That Browns defense is for real, but remember, they've had some great fumble luck so far this season. Of, of the four fumbles on the ground against the Steelers, they recovered all four. For those of us, those listeners who might not be aware, fumble luck tends to be about a coin flip. Forcing fumbles is a skill, but then once the ball hits the ground, it takes a random bounce. You don't know who's around the ball. That's about a 50% recovery rate long term. So the Browns defense, as real as it might be, might be a little bit overrated because of that. All right, there it is, your Thursday night football breakdown. All right, next up, we're going to look at the college football games I like. J-Max, Saturday Slate. Let's get started. I like three big underdogs. Folks, you're going to have to hold your nose and play these if you really have interest in it. Let's start with Kansas State. The fighting Bill Snyder's getting 16 at West Virginia. Now, Bill Snyder historically as an underdog is great, but I did try this a couple weeks ago against Mississippi State, and it failed miserably. I lost money. What did you learn? (laughs) Well, I I learned to be careful against these high-octane college football offenses. Uh, however, West Virginia's had a game canceled last week due to Hurricane Florence. Maybe they come in sluggish, and maybe the play is, uh, you know, the best bet here is Kansas State plus the points in the first half. We know West Virginia's got Will Greer. He's probably going to be an NFL player. He is a Heisman candidate. But I think Kansas State getting 16? I, they've got to be able to come in the back door here. Bill Snyder is the master as an underdog. So I'm going to take Kansas State plus 16. Next up, another quarterback I like. Missouri's Drew Locke getting 14 and a half against Georgia. I know that's a lot of points. I know Georgia's very good and probably playoff bound. I just want to look at the last two years. Drew Locke, who many believe could be the quarterback that goes number one in 2019 if the number one pick is a quarterback. Locke has shredded Georgia. He had four TDs last year against that loaded defense, Roquan Smith and everybody. Two years ago, Drew Locke put up 376 yards and three TDs. He did have three interceptions, and they lost to Georgia by one. So I'm going to take the 14 and a half points. I, listen, getting in front of that Georgia train is, is risky. Again, I lost money on them two weeks ago against South Carolina. I'm going to go George, uh, I'm going to go Missouri getting 14 and a half. Lynch. You are fading the public here, my friend. 85% of the tickets are on Georgia, 91% of the money. I feel like in college, fading the public almost matters more than the NFL. That's just a, I, I don't have numbers on this, but it's just from what I've seen. All right, my third dog that I love, Louisiana Tech getting 21 against LSU. This is simply a play against LSU off their big win over Auburn, national TV game. They win it on a field goal at the buzzer. The quarterback is now a celebrity in New Orleans. I mean, everybody's talking about LSU. They could they could get to the playoff. I'm telling you, they're, they are not even thinking about Louisiana Tech. I'm taking the 21 points, simply a fade of a, of a team coming off a big win. All right, now the two favorites I like. This is one I, probably my favorite bet on the college football slate. Stanford, favored by a point and a half. Now, they are in Oregon. Oregon opened as a favorite. The money has shifted considerably to Stanford. 
The last two meetings, David Shaw has dominated Oregon, winning bigly by a combined 101 to 34. Bryce loves back from what I believe is a concussion, and Oregon's untested. They got a good quarterback in Justin Herbert, but he's faced Bowling Green, Portland State, and San Jose State. I know Eugene's going to be lit Saturday night. Give me Stanford, favored by a point and a half. And finally, Conrad's going to talk me out of this. Uh, Lynch is going to hate this. You never are supposed to go with a big favorite. Alabama, favored by 25 and a half in Tuscaloosa against Texas A&M. I know it's an inflated line. I don't care. I'm sorry. I've got to ride the Tua train as long as it'll take me to glory. They are 3-0 and against the spread, covering easily. I'm telling you guys, this is the best quarterback Nick Saban's ever had. They pulled him in the second quarter against Ole Miss because it was 42-7. I mean, they're just killing teams. Alabama, I know 25 and a half is a lot. They are going to murder Texas A&M this weekend. So there they are. Alabama favored by 25 and a half. Stanford favored by one and a half. Kansas State getting 16 against Dana Holgerson. Louisiana Tech getting 21. And Missouri getting 14 and a half. Say it with your chest. So we're going to close out the Thursday podcast with our Moneyline picks. This is one where we kind of see value whether it's an underdog, a favorite, just on the money line. Lynch, I will let you go first because I, I don't know if I want to talk myself out of my pick. I'm going to need another minute here. But who do you like on the money line this week? The Tampa Bay Buccaneers against the Pittsburgh Steelers, plus 105, basically a coin flip. Uh, to me, this is two major trends. One, I am all the way out on Ben Roethlisberger. Ooh. I know you and I talked about this last week. He put up some impressive counting stats in week two. He also got a ton of opportunities because he, the Steelers and the Chiefs were going up and down the field, back and forth, and they were playing catch-up. He had to throw the ball a ton. The Pittsburgh Steelers are 1-7 against the spread since losing Ryan Shazier. Wow! We have talked about how that Steelers defense collapsed without Shazier and that linebacking core. But that is an astonishing number. The, the Buccaneers, meanwhile, are 5-1 and one against the spread in their last six games as a home dog. Granted, that's generally been as a field goal dog or bigger. I like Tampa Bay here. Listen, Fitzmagic is not going to take over the NFL to this extent for the rest of the season. But he is a solid quarterback. He is plus value over Jameis Winston in that offense. I like Tampa Bay here as as the money line. Or excuse me. I like Tampa Bay here as a slight dog on the spread and a basically a coin flip on the money line. I, I just want to follow something up. Of course, there's been a lot of talk this week with the Antonio Brown stuff. Uh, we, we know Le'Veon Bell still hasn't reported. He hasn't even tweeted anything. Uh, this feels like a kitchen sink game for the Steelers, does it not? I mean, prime time, if they go 0-2-1 to start the season, Tomlin's on the hot seat. I haven't looked at where the money is, but the line was two and a half Pittsburgh. It's down to one and a half. So by taking Tampa on the money line, they could end up fav- oh, the favorite Monday night, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the money is kind of sharp on Pittsburgh, getting about 40% of the tickets, 55% of the money. Interesting. That, that Shazier stat's incredible. I am going to take, oh boy, not quite a hold your nose in play, but this is more a leap of faith. I'm going with the Indianapolis Colts on the money line in Philly against the defending champs. They're they're plus 235 on the money line. You win a lot of money if you want to uh, if you want to put down 100. That, that's a good win on the Colts. I do wonder if internally I'm kind of overreacting to the Eagles loss to uh your Bucks Lynch. Uh they look bad. They're beat up. Jason Peters was hurt. Jay Ajay, Darren Sproles didn't play. But this is for me 
a play on Frank Reich. I have talked up the Colts all season on my radio show. I love them this year. They should be 2-0. You could have argued that, you know, Andrew Lynch, uh, I'm sorry, not Andrew Lynch, Andrew Luck was heading toward the go-ahead touchdown against the uh, Bengals and his tight end fumbled. But they are number one in the league on third downs, converting 60%. Last year, they were 18th. This is an Eagles secondary, got lit up by Julio Jones. Last week, Deshaun Jackson went bananas. Mike Evans had a pretty good game. O.J. Howard had a long touchdown. I think Frank Reich, who was the Eagles' offensive coordinator the last two years, I think he knows them well. I think there is value on Andrew Luck, not even coming in the back door, but winning outright on the road. This is a sneaky good Colts team. I'm telling you, Lynch, I look for value. I, I just think six and a half is, is there's some value on the Colts, and I, and I like them on the money line. All right, that's it for our maiden voyage here on Coming Up Winners. Thank you for joining us. Remember, subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Give us five stars and write a review. Feel free to bash my logic, my jets, my wardrobe, but say nice things about Lynch. He's a lot smarter than I am. For Andrew Lynch, I am your host, Jason McIntyre. This is the Coming Up Winners Podcast. <laughs>